Good morning. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, and we're going to be in the passage that we've been in for the last several weeks, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, now, I recognize Matthew may be kind of difficult to find in your Bible, so if you're not sure how to locate Matthew, here's what I would tell you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, uh, go to the table of contents. Uh, you'll find that Matthew is in the big section called the New Testament. Um, and the New Testament, it is the first book of that big section. So find the New Testament in the table of contents. The first book is Matthew. Go to that page number and then go to chapter 5. Now, uh, I have a, a friend of mine with me today. I'll introduce him here in a moment and uh, give him an opportunity to share some of his story. Uh, but uh, we're going to be talking about generosity today. Um, and you may be saying, now, hold on, where does generosity fit uh, in the Bible passage. I'll explain that in just a moment, but uh, generosity and financial stewardship is something that is very near and dear to my heart. You see, growing up, I had an amazing family, amazing childhood uh, for the most part, but one of the things that was missing was good teaching about managing my finances. And so I went to college, got in a tremendous amount of debt, and got in a lot of trouble as a result of that debt. Fast forward, uh, I met, uh, dated, and married Jana, my wife. Uh, and one of the first things that we did as a married couple was we went through a financial course at the church that we were attending and members of, and we realized that we were not managing the resources that God had given us in a godly way. Fast forward even further, after taking that financial course, beginning to understand what financial giving and generosity looked like. Uh, nine months after that, we had paid off all of our debt, uh, and we had a substantial amount of debt, mainly my debt, and we paid all that off and we were giving. We were, we were honoring God with our finances. And I'm not saying that if you just start giving generously that everything's going to miraculously uh, get handled by God. What I am saying is there is a blessing in managing uh, the, the resources, whether it be time or, or finances or relationships or whatever it may be, there is a blessing in managing those in a godly way. So let's take our Bibles, and, and I want to look at what we've been looking at for the last several weeks, the Beatitudes. Uh, now, as you're turning to Matthew 5, we're going to start in verse 3. The Beatitudes are uh, the introduction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's a big block of teaching, a big message that Jesus gives. And the Beatitudes is the introduction, and it says this, Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You may be saying, 
how does generosity fit in with the Beatitudes? Well, if you'll look through the Beatitudes, there is an underlying uh, teaching about generosity. For example, uh, next week, uh, we're going to be talking about blessed are the merciful, but what is the promise? What is the blessing about being merciful? It says that they shall receive mercy. There is an underlying idea that as God has blessed us, we're in turn called to bless others. And that's what generosity boils down to. So I want to introduce to you John. John, could you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Uh, Chad, thanks for having me be part of the uh, time together today. I appreciate it. And I um, was in the Air Force. I flew airplanes for a living. It's a it's a big week at the movie theaters because Top Gun is back. That's and I used right. To fly fighters. And, <laughs> and every squadron in the Air Force had a money person. That was me. Okay. And I would help people with their taxes. I would help them figure out how to manage their credit cards, build budgets, make, make some investments, that kind of thing. And uh, at a point, uh, God got a hold of me, and I was actually in a hotel room in Boston with a hangover. And a television evangelist was on the TV with a big smile. And the Holy Spirit, I had been raised in the church. My father was a pastor. Okay. And um, the Holy Spirit said it's time to come back. So I flew home from Boston to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Beautiful day on the East Coast, right over New York City. How am I going to explain this to my wife? Because Connie and I had been married and never talked religion. Mm. And I found out later she was raised in a Christian home also. Just wasn't a topic. So I got home and I said, well... You never guess what's happened. She said, well, funny thing, I've been kind of, God's been taking me to the same place. So God had us ready together to come back in fellowship wow. with him. And we made a decision then to start really, uh, with her coaching, start managing our money. And the more I looked into the biblical principles, the more the Bible says about money. Mm -hmm. There's a, over 2,000 verses about money. There's more verses in there than about prayer even. Yeah. So there's it's a lot to say. And then eventually with our business, we're, we do uh, financial advice, wealth management, financial planning. We made a decision we were going to fully commit to applying biblical wisdom in the advice that we give to clients. Oh, wow. And I began a deep dive into all the Christian financial books. There's a lot of resources out there. And so hopefully some of the things we'll share today will be uh, some of those principles that will help people understand generosity uh, in, in the church mm -hmm. and in their personal life. Great. So, Great. So talk to us about the biblical principle. Has there uh, ever been a time uh, where the financial needs of the church were met? And, and talk to us about what the Bible has to say about that. So I was, I was in a conversation with our pastor, and, and he asked me the same question. So I said, well, I'm, I'm going I'm, to consider myself a student of the Bible. So I started diving in, and the first example I found was in Acts in the clearest words were in Acts chapter 4, but it's actually Acts 2 through Acts chapter 6, book of Acts. And Luke writes in there uh, about how people were selling their houses and land and all the needs of the church were being met. So they were really taking care of the people, not a building. It was really about taking care of the people. And then I started reading some other examples over in the Old Testament. And uh, I got down to Exodus, and there was this story about a building campaign that Moses was having to build to get money to build the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they started this offering to build this tabernacle, this big tent for the uh, to house the Lord's presence. And 
they had to stop the offering in the middle of it. Too much had come in, more yeah. than they needed. And I, I have never been in a church where the pastor said, that's enough. You know, <laughs> too much. Too much. You've stop. given too much. Stop. <laughs> in fact, I was at a church here in the Phoenix Valley a few years ago, and it was a big church, big like a big gymnasium with balconies and all mm -hmm. that. And they, they passed the offering plate, Sunday night, full congregation. They passed the offering plate, and the pastor got up and said, that's not enough. Send them around again. Oh, wow. So they sent them around again, and I thought, wow, that's pretty bold. <laughs> so then at the end of the service, they had a special presentation. There was a church in South America that was meeting in a soccer stadium, hmm. and it took four days for them to do communion for that church. It was hmm. growing so quickly. And so in order to have the, the Lord's Supper not interrupted, they were raising money to put a roof over the stadium. Oh. So they passed the plate again for a third time to help them get some money for the stadium. Oh, wow. And by the time we got out of there, I was glad they didn't take credit cards because <laughs> <laughs> I had lint in my pocket. Yeah. So, but, uh, <laughs> so that so that, that's kind of the opposite of stopping early. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and a third example uh, was David. King David was raising money for a the tabernacle was kind of a temporary place mm -hmm. for God to hang out, and the temple was a permanent place that, that David was going to build. And so he started raising money, and really, and they had fully funded the temple build before David passed away and graduated to heaven. And so Solomon, David's son, got to build the temple. Mm -hmm. Then the one that snuck up on me because I didn't see it for about three or four years was Hezekiah. Now. Hezekiah was a, a king of, of Judah uh, in the Old Testament, and he was one of the good kings. Now his dad, I think his name was Ahaz, mm -hmm. uh, Ahaz was a bad guy. And he, was, he had brought idol worship down, and he actually locked the doors of the temple and got all the stuff out of the temple so people couldn't even go worship. Yeah. And Hezekiah realized what a mistake this was, and when he took over, within a week, he had the priests and the Levites in there cleaning out the temple and, and getting it consecrated. And, and the, what had happened is the priests and Levites were not able to serve uh, the people of Israel because they had to have a job to take care of their families. Yeah. So Hezekiah said, we need to raise money. We need to get worship started again. We need to be doing the right thing as a, as a people. Mm -hmm. And so he started a fundraiser. And... And it says after the third month, uh, they ran out of storage space. For all the offerings. For all the stuff. Oh, wow. And they started, and it says, in one translation, it says there were heaps in the streets. Yeah. And for four months, they kept building these heaps of stuff. And, I, and what I envision here at this church is storage units out here, uh, you know, to the uh, west side of the church building. Yeah. Storage units just stacked up with stuff in them. They're yeah. Just overabundance. Yeah. And that allowed... Uh, the spiritual leadership to come back and do the spiritual leadership. So it wasn't about a building. It was about being sure that people had their spiritual lives taken care of. Great. Um, so those are four great biblical examples of godly stewardship. But what lessons can we learn from these examples? Well, first of all, every example, there was a God-given vision. Mm -hmm. There was something driving the generosity of the people whether it was a building campaign or as being sure that in the New Testament the people had what they needed to eat and take care of themselves, whether it was taking care of their spiritual life, being sure that the church 
the people in the church staff, if you will, are being cared for so that they can minister to the people. Yeah. Secondly, in every case, the leaders gave first. So King David gave generously. Hezekiah gave hundreds of animals for sacrifice in the Hezekiah example. Uh, and, and, and Moses gave, and the, not just the head leader, but the people under them were all giving. Yeah. And I think that's a really good model for the church to be sure that the church leaders are giving. Mm -hmm. That's a good example. And the other thing that's really significant is they gave from their assets in addition to their income. So uh, we're going to talk in just a little bit about a biblical admonition to do that. Uh, and, and the big thing about giving out of assets is the way that the tax code is built. There's great incentive to give out of assets, and it's much more efficient than giving a check or cash in terms of your, of your generosity. Right, right. You mentioned that stewardship is more than just giving. The, there, there's something deeper uh, to that. So if stewardship is more than giving, can you explain what you mean by that, that little phrase? Yeah, so there, there's some things that, uh, that we're, we're called to be stewards of what, it's really God's assets. Mm -hmm. God, if God owns everything, and what we found over, over the years is that managers make different decisions and have a different role than owners. Mm -hmm. And we find that even if you have your name on an account, you make better decisions if you act like you're managing someone else's property. Yeah. And that's what a steward does. And uh, if we, well, one of my, uh, one of our young guys on our team, I, I asked him to define stewardship and he said, well, if John, if I ask Andrew to drive my car, mm -hmm. he, Andrew drives my car differently than he drives his own truck. Yeah. Say, and yeah. that's a stewardship role because he's yeah. driving my car. Not it's his. funny that you use that illustration because uh, I taught on this just a few weeks ago and the illustration that I gave was if you came to me desperately in need of a car and I loaned you my car, you would do things a little differently with my car and if I said you can use my car but the one thing I ask is that you go pick up this person on Sunday mornings that lives nearby and bring them to church and then take them back home that's not an unreasonable ask for the amount of blessing that I'm giving to you for loaning you my car. Uh, so it's, an interest, it's interesting that you're bringing up the very similar illustration yeah. to that. And, and you know, the Bible's very clear that God, everything on heaven and earth is the Lord's. Yes. And so the, the, the basic idea that if God owns it all, then I've got this responsibility to manage my portion of God's portfolio. Because God's going to give me some of that to manage. Yeah. And, and secondly, I need to be content with what he gave me. Mm -hmm. And my personal life verse is 1 Timothy 6.6. 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah. Now, I don't know why Paul had to put that contentment in there, right? <laughs> Wouldn't just godliness be a great gain? Wouldn't that be enough? <laughs> you know? And uh, Chuck Swindoll, who used to be a radio pastor, pretty prominent, he used to say there's a, a word missing from the American vocabulary, and that word is enough. Hmm. And so once we kind of sit down with God and say, okay, Lord, how much is enough in your eyes? I want to, and anything above that, I want to be sure I take care of my family, and then beyond that, what am I going to do with the rest? Yeah. Because it's God's, so it's 
how much is enough for me? Secondly, what about my family? And third, what about the rest? What do yeah. I do with the rest? Yeah. And then finally, one of the things that has really kind of snuck up on me is the stewardship of our job or our work ethic or whatever God's calling us to do. Maybe if you're retired, you have something that's more like retirement than retirement that God's got you doing. And it's been, it's really funny because I've just seen some people really uh, lose the stewardship of their testimony by the way they act in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Now, here's an example. I, I worked at a large national firm for several years and I used to have to deal with people from the home office in New York City. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they weren't easy to deal with. I couldn't quite communicate with them. So one morning I was on the phone with this person in New York and I was trying to get them to take care of something for a client. And I started yelling at them. And I shared with you a little earlier, I, I come from a foreign country to the east called Texas. Mm -hmm. And I went into my Texas drawl because I was so mad, talking yeah. real slow. And I finally, I slammed the phone down and steam was coming out of my ears. And I walked out of my office and I walked by the desk and this young woman said to me, now John, is that the Christian way to handle that? Mm. And I had no idea she was looking at my testimony, my witness yeah. in the workplace. And so I became challenged that that is as much a stewardship issue as money. Yeah. It's, it's your ability to share God just by the way you act and live and talk and interact with people. Yeah. So, hmm. so as, as we get called to be God's portfolio manager, in, in our world we have something uh, we call fiduciary duty. And uh, fiduciary duty means you're always acting in that person's best interest. And I think we have a fiduciary duty to God to manage his portion of the portfolio in his best interest because yeah. it's his. Yeah, that's great. So we're talking about generosity, we're talking about giving. Unpack a little bit more about giving, generosity, the, this idea that you're, you've been talking to us about. So I've, I've come to believe that there's actually four T's of giving. Okay. And, and frequently I've heard uh, pastors talk about the three T's of giving, time, talents, and treasure. Uh -huh. right? So time and talents, uh, you can't give one without the other. Yeah. And, uh, it, and I believe that uh, there's an opportunity maybe at the, to serve at the church and use some talent that God has given you that you don't get to use at your job yeah. or at your house. So I have a friend that's an airline pilot for Southwest Airlines, and he loves to do woodworking and build furniture. So he went to the church where we attended, and he built a pulpit for the church, and he built uh, hymn racks to go on the uh, for the choir yeah. to use to put their music in. Oh, wow. Uh, and he built all that by hand. Yeah. Very beautiful, you know, wow. God-given talent. I have never seen him in an airplane with a wood paneled instrument. Right? <laughs> so he didn't yeah. get to use the wood. Uh, so, that, so that's a great opportunity. The other thing about this is if you're in a church and something's really bugging you, that may be exactly where God is calling you to serve. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example of that. So this church where we, what I was just talking about, was actually built on the site of a dinner theater. Oh. And the dinner theater had burned, so the foundation was there. So they built the church building on top of that foundation, mm -hmm. but it had this big marquee sign out on the road because it was a theater. And, the, and I was always frustrated that that sign didn't have any clever sayings on it, right? And there was like 40,000 cars a day that went by that intersection. Yeah. So I'm sitting there teaching this very thing, 
when it hit me, if that sign is bugging you, you better sign up to change the sign. Yeah. So I did. So that meant you had to find clever sayings. That, that <laughs> we did have a pickup, so it was easy to pull the truck up and put the ladder up, and you didn't have to like hang out there too much to put the sign change. But it was in the mountains of New Mexico at 7,000 feet, so you had to change it in the snow and the wind. But we'd got the clever sayings, and we started getting the message out about the church much more effectively. Yeah. And even my wife helped pitch in because yeah. we decided it became a family calling for us, because mm -hmm. that, that was the thing that was bugging us. It turns out we get great joy out of seeing that sign because we drove by it every day. Yeah. So. The the third is treasure, and we're going to spend some time next week uh, on talking about uh, how to give treasure wisely. Yeah. And we're going to spend some time on what we call wise giving. And the tax code has got incentives in it, like we talked earlier about giving out of assets. So we're going to spend quite a bit of time on asset-based giving uh, because in Proverbs 3.9, it talks about giving out from your wealth and from your increase. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that more in just a couple of minutes. And lastly, there's giving thanks. Yeah. And that's the, that's the fourth T. Is we, it's so easy to forget what God has done for us on a day-to-day -day basis. And what I like to say is we should be driving around with our antenna up. And what I mean by that is we used to have a motorhome and it had a TV antenna. So when you were driving down the road, the antenna was down. When you were parked, because parking was, and having good TV reception was an important part of the campsite selection. Yeah. Then you cranked your antenna up so that you could get a good signal. So, so my coaching to people is you should be driving around with your antenna up and listening for what God is trying to teach you so that then you are even more thankful for what he's done for you as, as you do that. Yeah. And, and that means if, if there's a mom with a, you know, a baby crying in the supermarket, maybe that you should be praying for that person instead of complaining. Yeah. Right? If you're driving like crazy, I, I have this invention. It's called a flip up fish for your car. You know, it's one of those tooth fishes. Oh yeah. So if you're really driving like crazy, you flip the fish up so you won't lose your testimony on the, out on the 101 on the freeway. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's the whole idea is we want to be giving thanks in all circumstances. Yeah. So. Great. So when it when it comes to uh, wise giving, Proverbs three nine says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with all that you produce." And I have a friend who's a Greek and Hebrew scholar. He's the smartest person I've ever known. Maybe not as smart as you, Chad. Uh, so, don't go there. Uh, <laughs> and, and he looked at and, and really studied this, and he said, I can't get away from two things. It, it says wealth means assets, mm -hmm. and all you produce means income. Yeah. In the church, we tend to teach that we're going to tithe. We're gonna, we really focus on the income side. But from a, a wise giving point of view, the real planning opportunity is giving from assets. And okay. so next week, we're going to spend a great deal of time drilling down and looking at great, in great detail at the benefits of giving out of assets. We'll talk about writing checks too, but it really, it, the, the more we dig into this, the smarter it gets uh, for us to consider uh, giving out of things other than just our checkbook. Yeah. So when you and I spoke earlier, you you talked to me about this 10 plus 1 principle, and I was really intrigued by it. Could you, can you unpack that for, uh, for, for those watching and listening today? Sure. So as we did research, uh, you know, we really believe that how much you give is between you and God. Mm -hmm. 
But if you're not sure, if you really study the Bible, the default position is a tithe. Mm-hmm. And a tithe means giving 10% of income. And, uh, and and we did some additional math when we started looking at work. How could we give out of assets and still be good stewards in terms of our long-term planning? Then we determined that if we gave about 1% of assets every year, in addition to the 10% of income, that that was a good guideline. And God might be calling you to give more than that, and if so, honor that. But as a starting point, start with 10% of income and 1% of assets. Okay. And, uh, and, and I liked it. The way we practice it at our house is we, we give the 10% of income to, for the church's day-to-day operating needs, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, and that means salaries. It means pay the light bill. It means all that. Yep. And we'd like to take the 1% and give it for longer-term things like debt reduction, maybe help the church pay off the mortgage, maybe uh, fund a great commission cause like an oral Bible translation or something like that. So that becomes a more permanent, because it's coming out of longer-term assets, invest in longer-term kingdom investments with the asset portion. And and assets uh, can be things like stock, real estate, life insurance policies, and, and next week, we'll spend some time really drilling down on the specifics of assets, which ones make the most sense. Yeah. The, the story I'd like to tell today about asset best giving is about a garage sale. Okay. And um, so we have this uh, client in New Mexico, and uh, her husband was T-boned and killed pulling out of a Burger King restaurant oh, wow. and left behind three young children. So this single mom, widow, was raising these children and pursuing a godly education for them and godly uh, training and, and being the best mom that she could be. And she was wanting to teach them about generosity. Mm-hmm. So she decided to have a garage sale. Now the thing is with the depreciating assets, what you want to do with those is you want to sell them first and then give the cash. Right. So she had the garage sale. Yeah. So so this neighborhood got together and everybody was trying to be model generosity for the kids too. So they ended up raising twenty five hundred dollars from this garage sale. Wow. Well, it turns out some families at her church got wind of this, and five of them agreed to match whatever they raised in the garage sale. So the twenty five hundred turned into fifteen thousand dollars. Wow. So then they went down to Faith Comes by Hearing, which is an oral uh, Bible ministry in Albuquerque, okay. Global Reach, and they brought this offering. They wanted to get, get a translation into a, an unreached people group language. Okay. Turns out one of the Bible societies had a match going, so the 15000 turned into $30,000 of outreach for the kingdom. Wow. So that's leverage, that's generosity mm-hmm. being modeled by not only the mom, the kids got to see it, but the people from the church who did this match, it ended up being a phenomenal experience for everybody. A great story, a yeah. reminder that you don't have to be wealthy to give out of assets. Yeah, there's a small amount given sacrificially, and God multiplied that into something so much greater, not as by anything that the person who initiated it did themselves. They just were willing to sacrifice and be generous, and God multiplied it. Absolutely. Oh, how neat. And that's, that's God's economy at work. That's right. Yeah. You may have noticed that John mentioned something that's happening next week. Um, so let me, let me give you some details. John and, and some of his 
partners are going to come to the church and at the 11 o'clock hour, they're going to offer uh, a time where they can teach and help people understand better how to utilize the assets that they have in order to be generous for God's kingdom work. Now, this is not an area that I have any expertise, uh, but I can tell you we will offer an online option. Uh, we'll send out a Zoom link uh, to be able to participate in what they're going to be doing on June 12th at 11 a.m. Uh, um, if you're not part of our newsletter, um, if you're not receiving uh, weekly updates from us, uh, please go to our website, to our contact us page. There's a, a link to put in your email address for our newsletter there. Uh, we'll get you signed up and you can receive that or you can always email us and just request uh, the Zoom link uh, for this uh, seminar. So John, can you just for 60 seconds just unpack uh, what you guys are going to be talking about uh, June 12th at 11 a.m.? Sure, Chad. So we're going to be talking about, we're going to ask the question, should I write another check? And we're really going to challenge people to think through is what techniques are they using to give wisely. Mm. And we're going to spend a great deal of time in a great deal of detail explaining asset-based giving and, the t and mainly the tax advantages of how you structure the gifts. And what we've been able to demonstrate to people over the years is they can end up saving thousands or tens of thousands of taxes by properly structuring how they give their gifts to the church or other charities, that sort of thing. Yeah. And we have a certified financial planner who will be here to talk about the tax implications. We'll, we'll address some more of the spiritual side of giving because it's not just the taxes that are mm -hmm. important. It's, it's are you doing it with the right heart? And, uh, but we'll take a really good deep dive and with specific examples on how you can save money on taxes and give more to the kingdom because of that. So basically, this seminar that you guys will be offering will give practical instructions on how to give in a way that uh, on the tax end benefits the giver but on uh, all the other ends benefits the kingdom work that God has in front of us. Yeah. And we're not trying to avoid taxes. The biblical principle here yes. is pay every dime of tax you owe and not a penny more. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how to not pay any more than you need to, yeah. have to, uh, and, and basically let the IRS subsidize your giving. There we go. So. There we go. So taking advantage of the systems that are already there for God's kingdom work. Exactly. Great. Uh, so again, if you would like to have a link to that and you're not part of our newsletter, go get signed up or uh, reach out to us. You can go to our website and uh, go to the contact us page and we'll send you a link if you would like that. Uh, will you join me as we close in a word of prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for the blessings that you've poured into our lives as we study what Matthew 5 has to tell us about uh, what it means, what it looks like to be blessed. We thank you that you have blessed us, and we pray that through those blessings you would help us in turn to be generous with all that you've given us, whether it be time or talents or treasures or, or thankfulness. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be generous with others, that our lives would reflect the generosity and the love and the mercy and the grace that Jesus has given us through his life and his death on the cross. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you and lift all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.